Welcome to episode one. Is it 132? 132. I'm pretty I positive. I think so, yeah. It, the Sunday Conversation Podcast presented by Taco Casa. Dun, dun, dun. A couple days. A couple days. Taco Tuesday. Let's go. Hosted by us. And uh, we're here. We're here another week to give you what you want. Big week. Big week. How the hell are you, bro? How was your week? Um, it was good. Let's get the uh, elephant um, in the room, out of the room right away. Uh, we got skunked on our tuna trip. Um, okay, let me let me get into this story just a bit. First off, uh, Brian and Ben from Mass Bay Guides were awesome. They're awesome dudes. Like, great to go. Like, you know, I, I, you know, you've been out fishing with some, you know, people you don't know before. Like the problem with going out with people you don't know is like, you don't, and you, they fish. your Do vibes they may fish? not, your vibes might not line up with them, you know, and there were just a couple of regular guys, you know, and in the kind of early, once we got to the spot, they were like, you know, we kind of have to gauge where our filter level has to be when telling like jokes and shit like that. And they're like, you know, with you guys, we can just take it right off and i'm like yeah you don't gotta worry about that but awesome guys and you know tuna fishing is is uh, you know unlike any style of fishing i'd ever done where you know we got on the water at where we got on the boat at 4 a.m and it was probably like a 40 minute run to the spot and so we're out it's pitch black watch the sun come up i mean that was that was pretty sweet you know right when the sun came up we started fishing for uh, bait fish, mackerel and herring, uh, fishing for a little bit of squid too, but we didn't catch any squid. And, uh, so then once we get all that stuff up, you know, we drop the, we kind of find where we want to be. We drop the anchor and it's so weird because so the first day of the month is when the commercial fishery opens back up. So there's, you know, they told us the day before in the same spot, there was nobody there because it was, you know, August 31st. But on the first, I counted that I could see there was 18 boats around us. But it's funny. It's not funny, but it's weird because like everybody just lines up in a basically a straight line. Like you remember, you know, when you go striper fishing, say on like the Blackhawk at the race, like there's a bunch of boats around, but not everybody's just all lined up with one another. This was just no just one long line of boats, you know, all an eighth to a quarter of a mile apart from each other. And uh, so I guess, and, you know, I was kind of picking their brains and asking questions about, you know, like what the fishing is like. And basically the way it is, is, you know, you're fishing like where it goes from deep and then it goes up, you know, to a shoal, but it's like a pretty steep incline. And basically like the fish like to, you know, hang attack. out on the wall or something. Yeah, exactly. But they have to, the tuna have to swim constantly. Otherwise they'll die. So basically what you do is you set your bait up that, you know, they were between like 60 and 75 feet and you're waiting, you're waiting for the tuna to come through and, and, uh, and take one of your baits. And like the boat that was next to us, that was probably about a half a mile away. They hooked up with something, um, because you can tell, because then once the fish hook up, you know, they run a specific way. And so you start to see the boats, you know, the just pull up their anchor and then they're gone. And then this guy was, went from being, you know, maybe a third to half a mile away from us to 
miles away, you know, a few minutes later. No <laughs> shit. Um, we saw another boat that hooked up with a Mako shark. Uh, Brian, the captain, said it was probably about 150 pounds. This thing was just flying, jumping out of the water. Yeah. It's I've caught him. I caught a Mako with, I mean, shit, with Corey and Uncle Dale one time, and it was, you know, it was tiny. It was a small one, but shit, yeah. it was jumping out of the water. That was one of the cool things about it. Was it was flying up in the air. It was wild. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's that's why they call it fishing and not catching. Not I mean, catching. It, yeah. it did seem like they had had like a good streak going up to that point um so how does that work just like no money back obviously like well so you know we paid for the trip i I left it up to Vinny whether he wanted to leave a tip or not you know i i I understand his perspective of like well i came out here to catch fish and i didn't catch any fish and like you know i i don't know i i would feel obligated to leave at least leave something you know just for the guy's work but uh, Brian told us that if we, um, you know, if we wanted to go back out in October to call and, you know, tell him that they, he'd give us, you know, uh, a couple hundred bucks off the next time we wanted to go out. So, you know, they take care of you that way, but yeah, I mean, listen, at the end of the, you know, the, the couple of the guys I went with were like all disappointed and annoyed by it. And it's like, yo, like as much as like, yeah, you're paying to go out and catch fish. There's no fucking guarantees man there's never any guarantees you know right like you know just to put it in like Corey's perspective like he's a lobsterman right that's his job he that's his livelihood a lot of times i mean i don't want to say a lot of times but there's times when he goes out there and he doesn't get anything and what is he supposed to say like hey like it's okay my wife and kid don't have to eat tonight or no like that's that's part of the that's part of the game the other thing too is that like if tuna were that easy to catch, they'd be worthless. You know, they'd be worth significantly less. And like if you want to go out and and have your best chance to catch something, go shark fishing. You know, then you it's right. a lot easier to catch sharks than it is to catch tuna. So, you know, I understand I understand their perspective of being upset about it, but at the end of the day, man, like I I in all the times I fished in my life, freshwater, saltwater, whatever. You know, I would say it's probably close to pretty much 50-50 of days I've gotten skunked and days I've, oh, I've totally. caught something, you know? If that, if yeah. anything, I've gotten skunked more than days I've caught something. Um, just the way it goes. But, uh, you know, all in all, it was a great experience. I'd love to go back out with that guys, uh, or back out with those guys, maybe with a different different crew of people. But uh, um, just the other thing, too, about it was, like, you know, they were kind of, when we got set up, they were explaining – you know, kind of the procedure if we hooked one. Were you guys using balloons? Yeah, so we had two two baits on balloons and then one bait that was just had a weight on it that was dropped about 15, 20 feet deeper than the balloon baits. And then he switched to trash bags at one point to push the balloon baits like away from each other. I guess was because with balloons, because they're firmer, they're more consistent in how they like float out where with the trash bags, they don't, because they're less rigid, they kind of flow apart from each other. So the baits kind of separate out a little bit. Cause the problem was with the wind and the current, the baits kind of kept like coming like towards each other. I mean, they were at different distances from the boat, but they were still like kind of on top of each other. Right. Right. Um, and then at one point he did, it's called, I guess it's called a stick bait. He took like a dead mackerel, or no, it was a dead herring. And he 
like sewed its mouth shut and yeah, then, yeah. and then you know inserted like a like a bamboo shoot like a skewer into it to keep it stiff and um you know so that's the other thing is like listen, dude I, dude look up the night flight on instagram this guy works on an oil rig and he makes he makes sticks he calls he calls them the broomsticks so he cuts a little piece of a broomstick off and then puts zip ties on each side to yeah. make it to make it look like wings of a flying fish puts a big ass hook oh, on yeah. this guy catches monster fish on a broomstick that's it's hilarious that's but, the other thing is like you know fish like fish are it, it, it's amazing the things that they'll eat because they're like you're like why the fuck would you eat that i've seen i've legitimately seen a guy take a gatorade bottle and put a hook on it and catch largemouth bass with it like you know just along the top of the water so it's kind of amazing that they're so smart and yet so stupid at the same time yeah um, shit dude that's a, one, one of my other favorite things <laughs> to do look at is uh the, the guy meat eater steven ranella yep, yep yep he one of his things is opening up the guts of everything, you know, whatever, what yeah. or, or it's more like people that's, you know, kill something and send it in. Right. And like, Hey, look what was in the stomach of my largemouth bass. And yep. it's like a big ass duck or something, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, like, <laughs> um, that, but I would, so I will say like the other thing too, is like, I went on a charter one time in the Dominican Republic. I may have even talked about it on here one time, and that was a six hour, that was just a six hour straight up boat ride. And I say that because when, on that, these guys literally set the baits on outriggers and just never touched them the rest of the day. We just trolled around and, you know, the baits were out there and they just didn't touch them. And, you know, with Brian and Ben, you know, they were bringing them in, they were checking them, they were resetting. They were, you know, we moved a couple of times. Like they were like actively trying to catch fish. And, you know, unfortunately nope. that's just the way it goes. When you were in the Dominican, that, that bait, got eaten by a bunch of little yellow tails within yep. the first 10 seconds yep. and was gone. Yep. And then these guys are like, <laughs> give them a bunch of president days, just take them around for six hours. And yeah. I'm sitting there like looking at these guys, like, listen, I'm not like a, an expert in offshore fishing, but like, you know, when I bass fish, I don't just throw a wacky worm out there and just leave it for five hours and hope <laughs> something picks it up. Like, the fuck. Um, oh, shit. but all in all great experience. I would definitely go out with those guys again and, you know, hopefully hook up with something, but, um, you know, again, that's just the way it goes. So, uh, how was your week, buddy? Good, man. Real good. Um, shit. I mean, uh, got back from, from <laughs> West. So it was a little, mostly traveling. We left on Sunday. So Sunday we went from, it's called Buffalo, Wyoming, way over eastern Wyoming, down to Denver. Uh, stayed with some friends and then went Denver to Dallas, stayed with Trevor. And then Dallas to Crystal Springs, Mississippi, to see Mary Landrum with ML Provisions, the, uh, yep. the hat shop. It I got my first hat. It's fucking badass, dude. It's a straw hat. Uh, first one in my quiver pretty excited about it so then we came back here and we're uh packing up to to head down to the keys going lobstering this week Woo, spiny lobsters spiny lobsters yep 
so a little bit of a little bit of a clusterfuck in terms of like uh scheduling the last whatever but it's all good it was this is like uh um i guess my my in-law my future in-laws they i mean they go down every usually every year to go lobstering and um <clears throat> they got a new little boat little 25 carolina skiff bay boat so yep. taking that down to to try it out so you know exciting shit yeah but, that uh, sounds awesome yeah so i'm excited and then we got a, a big ass fence job to do when we get back so been thinking about that too everything's coming together yep what kind of fence but, uh, vinyl no dude eight foot um i guess we'll call it like a privacy fence mm. You know, like, you know, deck boards, like standard deck boards. Yeah. Well, he wants them to go uh, horizontal, like up with a little space in between. You know, yeah. you can't like just a small little gap. So I'll shoot you all the details. Uh, yeah, let me know. You know, yeah, yeah, I'll let you know. I'll, I'll head down um, and, uh, and check it out. Totally. Make sure. But it's yeah, no, plumb. so nothing. Not, I mean, I mean, a lot, lot on the docket for us but it's all good it's been uh it's been smooth so that's all i can ask for that's great i mean you guys are are pretty also i will say when i went fly fishing did i tell you about fly fishing in wyoming no so we caught the shit out of them in jackson hole and then we went to the ranch and on the ranch there's this little tiny creek it's called rock creek yeah so i busted out the old echo you yep. know the little the yeller yep. my little five weight fly rod and uh i caught one one day and three the next day but these little little tiny yeah. like yeah. brook trout yep. man it was awesome so it was it was probably you know a, a six of the size of the bait you were using to tuna fish but yeah. you know <laughs> so that's the other thing it's like and i don't fault them for this whatsoever but you know when we we got going they're like they're like, we've caught fish 11 of the last 12 days. I'm like, okay. Oh, like, great. Shut the fuck up, boys. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. We're all here. It gets even better. He goes, I'm like, well, what's like average size been? He's like, average size the last 12 days has been 600 pounds. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> and then we fucking, you know, we get nuts. So the other thing about that too is with, you know, with, you know, with boat electronics these days, you know, with their depth finder, it, you fucking it's actually kind of cool i guess the way he was telling us is that the tuna like cruise at like 30 miles an hour like right off the ocean floor and that's where like they're eat like swimming through schools of herring and mackerel and shit and, like that's they, that's how they eat but then if they, you know they notice your bait they shoot up to your bait and then if they take it they take it and they go back down and if they don't like obviously you know if they don't take it so we did have two fish that we marked where like you just see this red streak come up on the fucking depth finder of them like swimming up to the bait and then they didn't take it. But, uh, you know, it's so wild. Like you're sitting there just having a conversation and he's like, Oh, fish, fish. And like, you like, everybody looks at like the down, the down rig, the one that's like deeper, but it's like waiting for it to just start moving. And it, you know, they didn't pick it up, but, uh, it's wild. I mean, boat electric, there's so much like electronics involved in it. And I said to him at one point, I'm like, Dude, can you imagine being out here in like the 1950s? Like, you know, you're just 
like you had tools to figure out depth and shit like that, but like you're basically just guessing, you know. You know what else they had? An abundance of fish. Oh, that's true too. <laughs> they were fucking everywhere. True. The Japanese were fishing up literally to near extinction. That's I mean, dude, call. we're we're just it's like okay. I told you how we went scalloping here the other day or like yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Yep. And you find these bay scallops. They're, they're <laughs> tiny. Yep. They're tiny. You know, I mean, some of them are, you know, the size of a half dollar. Yep. Some of them are tiny, but bigger, most of them smaller. So then we, we get to talking and when you clean these bay scallops, the piece of meat in them is literally, yeah. I mean, we're, it's smaller than a dime. So then I'm like, well, what the fuck? is up with like the big scallops like right. you know the scallops wrapped in bacon scallops right. and uh <laughs> and uh the, someone mentioned to me that those are sea scallops oh okay and i'm like well how the hell do you get sea scallops and they're like oh they just drag for them oh really just bottom drag for them and I, it just like makes me like realize now that i've been diving a little bit you know and you know, seeing the ocean floor, it's like there's a lot of shit going on down the bottom Pons, of the ocean floor. Pons. Like, you know, what we we will call like nature, and yeah. like to, <laughs> to to think like, you know, you just roll through with a big ass net, like whatever fucking comes up in the net, it's like fucking that's that's the catch, yeah. and it just demolishes the bottom. And then, in the grand scheme of things, it's like, well, if your livelihood is catching fish. And they all live in these places. Yep. Like, would you, wouldn't you think like you probably wouldn't want to just, you know, essentially just bomb, you know, completely yeah. like leave, leave the, so it's dude, fishing's a wild world. And the other thing about it is just like straight up is like, dude, the ocean is so vast. And when you start thinking about every every cruise liner back in the day would just open up the hatches and dump every bit of trash yep. off the back of the boats and yep. dumping shit. And, and then you start to think about how many vessels are on you know, the yep. water and it's like, holy crap. But I mean, hey. It's, it's, it's funny you bring up Dragon for, for scallops. We, uh, we saw a mackerel boat that was like kind okay. of behind the line of tuna boats. And so I was asking Brian and Ben about it and it's what a setup. They just have these, I think he said four like lines that go out and they have, I forget what the fuck they're called. They look like little flies. They look like little flies. They're shiny and they have little hooks on them. And he just, when he gets over like a school of mackerel, he just drops the lines in with a button. He, the, the mackerel snag him. He pushes another line. It's all on hydraulics. He just pulls it him back in. Hooks him. It yep. De hooks him. Drops him yeah. right into a fucking bin. And yeah. Like, it's like a. It goes. It looks like a little like oven, right? Yeah. Like a silver oven on the back of it. It's, it's just. A, it's just all <clears throat> mechanized fishing, and it's like he. And then there's like, also he could just ones, do it by himself the whole time. There's ones that bait it. Yeah. So like it like goes out like a do do do, and each That's one gets cool. like baited. And then, yeah, it's, it's wild, dude. Such a weird, such a weird, and I get it. It's like you said, if fishing is your livelihood and like you survive on catching mackerel, then of course you're going to make it as efficient and as, you know, easy and as little help as possible. I mean, that's just, 
That's the, the way any, it's the way any business works. It just happens to be fishing. Right. It's um, just, it, there's a lot more uh, variables. I feel, you know, it's totally, like, totally. Um, so but, what, do you, uh, what do you want to talk about first? Uh, Hitler, Joe Biden, or uh, Bank of America giving out, uh, starting another housing crisis? Let's start with the housing crisis and we'll, we'll, we'll just bring it home with uh, finish up with Hitler, yeah. Hitler Biden. Okay. Yeah. Or Adolf Biden, I guess I should yeah. say. All right. So uh, for those unaware, this all happened Thursday. Thursday was a wild day in terms of news. Bank of America is now offering. You should just read the headline. I'm, go- I'm going it's... to. I'll read the first, the first chapter of the uh, uh, first chapter. Jesus Christ. Paragraph. First, first paragraph of the article. I said. First, first chapter. Chapter one. Ron asked, just <laughs> Bank, of, Bank of America is offering zero down payment mortgages with no closing costs for first time home buyers in certain black and Hispanic neighborhoods and a new program designed to chip away at the inequality in the housing market. Uh, actually, this is important too. The new loan launched this week requires no minimum credit score nor mortgage insurance, which lenders typically charge when borrowers put less than 20% down. Uh, and then instead of a traditional credit score, first-time home buyers will be evaluated based on their history of making timely payments for rent, utilities, phone services, and auto insurance. Auto insurance. <laughs> okay. So the, the race aspect part of it, I actually have no issue with. I think his, pretty much historically, there is a huge discrepancy between uh, white home ownership and minority home ownership. It's like something to the like tune of like 37%. Um, which is, which is tough. I mean, and listen, as a millennial who would like to, you know, buy a house at some point, like it is just difficult to buy a house, even for somebody like me, granted, I'm a little bit more picky about what I would buy. Um, I have no problem with the race aspect of it. What I do have a problem with is the no minimum credit requirements, no mortgage insurance. It, those were literally things that led to the 2008 financial crisis. I, I just, for pure research sake, I watched the big short again last night, just as it was going to pertain to this. And the number one contributor to the 2008 housing crisis was subprime mortgages, mortgages given out to people who in reality shouldn't have gotten mortgages based because they didn't have credit scores. They didn't have income verification. They didn't have all the things that you need to get a mortgage. Now, I understand that those are typically roadblocks for the minority community, but the simple fact of the matter is like, it is, it's literally history repeating itself. It's the old fool me once, shame on you, fool me can't get fooled again, but like, we're getting fooled again. And I just don't understand how, where the logic is. Um, I just don't get it. I, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, bank of America was involved in the 2008 housing crisis. You're thinking like they would remember that, but I don't know, man, I would be curious to hear your, your thoughts on it. Um, it's uh financial praying. Mm. It's, I mean, cause the first thing, the first thing, like even for everybody, and I'm not even talking about any minorities that are, like now qualified for something it's like a mortgage a 30-year mortgage like i own a home 
I have a 30 year fixed rate mortgage. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if these, what they're trying to get out, give out is a, is a variable rate or right. what, but when you put 0% down, people think that's all good and dandy without realizing that zero down means that if you're not paying at some point, you're paying, you're going to be paying at another point. Right. And it's like a lot of times that comes back on the back end and it bites you in the ass. Like, right. you know, when you don't understand how interest works and you know, what can happen as interest compounds, I mean, you literally run into a situation where, you know, you default on your loan and that's exactly what already happened once. And, uh, I'm surprised that we're just going to go back with the, uh, with the default loan, uh, tactic again, just a near, uh, a mere 12 years after the first one. So. Yeah, that's, that's a good point, Ben. I didn't really get it like fully into. So like adjustable rate mortgage back then was like, you would get a mortgage that would be like, say one, 2% interest for it was called with a teaser rate. It was called, and that's how they would get you in is, you know, one, 2%. <clears throat> and then after two years, the adjusted rate would kick in and your mortgage interest would go to 14%, which for the people that were getting these loans was far too substantial of an increase for them to be able to pay. Then they would default. The homes would go into foreclosure. And then the reason it hurt the economy was because all those mortgages were bundled together in mortgage-backed securities and then collateralized debt obligations and synthetic collateralized debt obligations that just fucking were atomic bombs in the world economy. And now I understand that this is on a smaller scale. They're only offering it in certain neighborhoods so, or certain cities so far. And it doesn't, none of the articles I read say what the, the, the terms of the loan are. So you have to hope that there is some kind of fail safe in there to kind of prevent this from happening again. But I think what Bank of America realizes is exactly where the adjustable rate mortgage came from in the first place. The reason adjustable rate mortgages happened in the first place was because these mortgages that were going into mortgage-backed securities, which became a huge moneymaker for big banks, well, there's only so many people that have the financial wherewithal to be able to get a mortgage in the first place. So when they got to a point where just about everybody that you know could get a mortgage had a mortgage, they were like, okay, we need to incentivize people that can't get a mortgage to get a mortgage. And that's where adjustable rate mortgages came in. They made it so people that shouldn't really be able to afford a house could on paper anyways, afford a house for a couple of years. And that got people to buy more houses, which got more mortgages. Those mortgages were then packaged into CDOs and, you know, so on and so forth. And that's how it became the problem it became. So to me, what it means is that Bank of America sees that there is a slowdown as far as home buying has, 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 or is concerned. And that slowdown is probably going to continue for a while. So, Hey, let's find a way to incentivize people to keep buying homes so that we can keep selling mortgages or selling mortgages. Cause these mortgage backed securities still exist. Um, there's a, instead of a CDO, there's now a CLO, a collateralized loan obligation, which is a, the same thing, but for businesses um, it, it's a, it's a disaster, but, this is uh, what Bank of America has deemed to be a good idea. 
you just kind of have to hope, I guess, that it stays mitigated or if it doesn't work, it's only Bank of America and it doesn't start, it doesn't become all the big banks offering it up. Um, I really don't know, but it's a, it's a little scary, to be honest. And also the other thing is, you know, however you view it, it's like, what is it, what does it mean by them you know, Bank of America saying in some neighborhoods, like to right. me, it sounds like they're trying to almost force different um, ethnicities into certain areas. Yeah, you know? it was like it was like Houston. Now, I don't know this for sure. This is just a, a guess based on what the article said. It was like Houston, uh, like Jacksonville. I think it was cities where there is a large population of African-Americans Oh, well, I guess minorities because Latinos too. Um, but there is a, a substantial uh, gap in white home ownership and minority uh, home ownership. Understood. So it ba- well, ba- so basically, what it, what I'm what I'm getting at is that that means that there's the most people for them to to go to because there's so many people there. Um, let me see if I can find that fucking article. Um, it's just very concerning. You know, it just, it seems like we are. American. It seems like it's a, st- it, it seems like it's taking a step back in terms of like, you know, equality in that. Okay. Here we are now. It's like, at what point can just everyone be offered whatever, you know, it's always got to be like, Hey, you know, bank of America has this big headline. That's we're offering just African and American and latinos you know these mortgages in these certain areas to help fix the inequality yeah well it seems like you're pretty much just starting the inequality with the with the fucking headline in itself sure it's like what that means that you're viewing them as not equal right so that's not fair you know it's like that's it's just more bullshit man yeah and so I, i'm just kind of skimming this article as you were talking there but you're, you're oh here here's the cities uh charlotte dallas detroit los angeles miami um you're right ben it, it's it is and listen i i understand that you know that you know when you've got systemically the problems that we've had in this country that have allowed it to get to the point where you had things like redlining and and all kinds of other issues that 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 hampered the minority community from buying houses. I understand that there needs to be some kind of way to try and rectify that to make it more equitable. But at the end of the day, part of the problem with with minority uh, home ownership is that housing prices have gotten so fucking out of control that they can't afford it. The same way. You know, a lot of people in our generation can't afford houses. Like it's not, it's not a minor, it's not an issue of them being minorities. It's an issue of the economy, at least as far as this, this specific section of the economy is concerned, has gotten so out of control that they need to do something to try and help these people. And it's like, it's just mind boggling. It's like, dude, you, you, there has to be more regulations. You know, I saw the graphic and everybody's seen it the other day of like, you know, average uh, salary in like 1974 and average housing prices. It's like, 
it's the the average like take home pay in those 50 years difference it's not that much different no but like housing prices have 10x rent prices have like 8x like everything is so significantly more expensive yet the average person is making the same amount of money it's it's fucking banana land and then where it gets even scarier is you know everybody that has been locked into this welfare for years yeah you know it's like a lot of people collect welfare that's a fact well it's like when you're locked into those welfare prices of you know whatever right and now inflation is just putting a beating on the world you can't keep up and it's 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 like it it forces you know situations like this it's like when you hand out hand out hand out this is how this shit happens. So um, it's we, really, we are a country of putting a bandaid of putting band-aids on bullet holes. Like there, there are so many bigger issues that, that at their root need to be fixed. And uh, you know, just not the case. Um, like imagine if they just shut it off for everyone, Yeah, you know, shut the pipeline off for everyone. And it's like, okay like refigure it out you know obviously there would be mass chaos and whatever but it's just like it would really change a lot of things like it almost i mean i the more and more i think about it it's like there's gonna be there's gonna be some sort of a civil war or some sort of thing where the the current monetary financial system doesn't exist anymore because and, and all that's going to lead to is just pure chaos. But yep. I mean, it's broken. It's completely super, broken. Super broken. Um, it's being propped up by toothpicks. Toothpicks. And I was going to say just what's left of the working class, you yep. know. Um, gear up. That's all I can think. This conversation just and, and now let's go ahead and move into our next topic. You know, with that being said, it's like gear up is right. I mean, anybody with with two eyes and a brain it, saw our communist dictator give a speech the other night. It is it is so interesting Bad. that that this was the way it went. Um, I'm just trying to pull up an article about it but if you missed it and and i honestly would have missed it if it wasn't for our close personal friend uh dave portnoy you know calling it out uh joe biden gave a speech the other night which was kind of odd because i guess listen i don't know a ton about the the political cycle and you know obviously i know when election day is and what what election years are um but you know, apparently from what I've read, this was kind of not a common time to give a speech, especially what the contents of the speech were. Um, but it was in front of Independence Hall in Philadelphia. They used this this red lighting background, which in the angle from which the uh, president was shot, I mean, it looked like a, a speech from... Nazi era Germany or Soviet era uh, Russia, 
or, or Soviet Union, I guess. Like it, it is just a very ominous, weird, like angle. And you know, with like, you know, with the president and their aides and all that stuff, when they're setting this stuff up, they literally analyze every single little thing about it. Um, in terms of lighting, what angles they're going to shoot it from, what location they're going to shoot it from, like all that stuff. And it's a Hollywood production. Like, it is literally. a Hollywood production. Every so time a you think they're going to miss the shot? No, they don't miss the shot. Um, and it's just unbelievable. And, you know, the other thing, too, is he's, you know, banging his fists around, which was something Hitler used to do all the time. It was just a very, very weird uh, very weird, uh, aesthetic, but then also like the content of the speech, the speech was basically all about like, you know, not letting the Republicans win because there's extremists in the Republican party and they support Donald Trump. And their only, uh, uh, goal is to, you know, upset the balance of democracy and just a very weird, again, very divisive speech. Instead of trying to be the president that you know, finds a way to bring both parties together. It's just continuing on the same path that we've been on of polarizing the people, splitting us apart. And I know that they're hoping for a big win come midterms in November, but I just find the tactics of the Biden administration to be weirder and weirder every time they do something. Biden, Putin, Stalin. I mean... I mean, hey, it's, listen, do you know what Stalin's first name was? Joe. It was Joe. Joe Stalin. <laughs> That's what they called him. Joseph. <laughs> you think it's it's for people on No, un, dude, un, it's, un, it's it's like I mean, they say history is is repetitive, you know? It's it's uh what is it? Cyclical? Yep. Um Get back. We're we're in a cycle. Those who ignore history are doomed to repeat it. Um, and that, that then we've got less than a minute left. That was, was timed out perfectly. That pre pre-show meeting we had, we just like to the T nailed it. Uh, yeah. You got, you got anything. Those are really to, starting to pay off. Yeah. Right. You got anything else you, you need to go over before we get off here? No, I don't just make sure to enjoy life. Cause fuck it's uh. It's a rough one out there. It's getting scary. Yeah, that's uh, that's good advice, Benny. Uh, all right, until episode 133. Ben, it's been a blast. Love you, buddy. Love you, bro.